When I played baseball, I got death threats all the time from my mother, Bob Euchre. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome, everybody, to yet another episode of the Felonious Pundits. I am Kentad Svensgaard, and along with me, as usual, please say hello to AJ Mass. That is me. Hello, hello, one and all. It is another episode. They keep making them. I don't know why they keep making them, but they keep making them. (laughs) (laughs) So we're here. Oh, we got a... You remember that uh, Blues Traveler song, Long Way to Go? <laughs> we got a long way to go. Uh, uh, long, well, yeah. long, well, we got a long run around before we reach it. <laughs> uh, so this podcast is about the show Criminal Minds. Every week we recap and take an in-depth look at an episode of the show. I haven't seen this show ever before. Well, this episode. Now, I, I, I've lost it. Agent. The point is, I'm new to these episodes each week, and you are the grizzled veteran who has seen them all. This is your first trip around the sun, as it were, whereas I have spent many, many moons watching this delightful series of times. At least before that shark jumping, but we got a long way to go before the shark has jumped, so uh, let's enjoy it while we can. All right. This week we are talking about season four, episode seven, and it is entitled Memoriam. Uh, this episode was written by Dan Dworkin and Jay Beatty and directed by Guy Norman B. It originally aired on November 12th, 2008, and I didn't come up with an alternate title for this one. Did you come up with anything else you might have called it? Because I do like this segment. I'm so I'm hoping I'm not killing it. <laughs> <laughs> the segment which has no content this week. No. Uh, you know, uh, should we call it uh, <laughs> Stays in Vegas? <laughs> Stays in Vegas. I like it. I was thinking of Glory Days, but I think that might not that might not be give you enough clue. I like Stays in Vegas better. Yeah, I mean, that's that's exactly what Reed does at the start of the episode, so hey. Mm-hmm. So let's get into it. Uh, after we get a quick little previously, and you can do the same thing, actually, just by listening to last episode, uh, we are back in Vegas, and uh, Morgan is busy throwing away money at a slot machine, and Prentice is just trying to get her coffee, and she needs Morgan to quiet down because she is clearly hungover from whatever she was up to the night before which I kind of wish we could have saw a little bit, a little bit of that night. <laughs> very, very true. And uh, Reed comes in and he lets the gang know that he's going to stay a few extra days. Oh, no, 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 no. Everything is all right. He just needs to spend a little time, uh, extra time with his mom. Yeah. And, you know, while he's doing that, Rossi's going to continue to make, oh, she's been drinking. <laughs> My <laughs> pantomime. <laughs> Mocking <Yeah>. Emily. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and her sin to win weekend that she did overnight. <laughs> So JJ gives Reed a little bit of encouragement because she's always kind. And uh, the rest of the group heads off to the airport 
And as they walk off, Reed's face immediately goes to the, oh, everything is not all right. Look, I've been playing this whole time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So then we cut to Reed. He is introducing himself at a police department asking for all the info he can get on the Riley Jenkins case. And the original detective from that case is actually still working there. And the detective is played by a a famous that guy, or I think he's famous. uh, And I would assume that you uh, know him well because he is one of the people named uh, Xander. He is Xander Berkeley. Xander Berkeley. I mean, known from 24, stint on The Walking Dead. Uh, I think he's uh, great above that guy, but sure. Definitely, uh, it's the great Xander Berkeley, who I just, of course, wrote Xander the rest of the (laughs) episode. So, yeah, this case, the Riley Jenkins case, was actually his first child murder victim. So, you know, you never forget that, he says. (laughs) Never forget your first child murder victim. (laughs) Can't we all say that? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, yeah. This show, what is it doing to me? Uh, At first, he suspected the dad or the older brother might be guilty, but... Then he uh, moved away from that theory. He suspects that it was from someone from outside the family. Uh, he does ask Reed what his interest was in the case. And Reed is like, uh, research. It seems like there's only a few files in the box that the detective has brought. But he says, well, there might be another box. And if I was Reed, I would be like, did I not ask for everything? But uh, <laughs> he, uh, he does ask him to go see if he could find anything else. And then he's looking at a picture of a little boy in the file and then he flashes back and he remembers seeing that boy at a t-ball game. Later, we see Reed arriving back at his hotel room and he's got his box with him. And when he goes into his hotel room, Morgan and Rossi are sitting in there having a snack, watching Young and Restless, just chilling. And uh, apparently they knew Reed was up to something more than just visiting his mom. And so they confront him and they ask him to let let them help him find out who killed Riley Jenkins. And Reed says, well, actually, funny thing. (laughs) Uh, I actually might know. And so they ask him, well, who does he suspect? And Reed says, well, I don't really know anything about the suspect. And the suspect is my father. (gasps) Credits. I just love the fact that they were sitting there watching Young and the Restless <laughs> after Shamar Moore spent just about 500 episodes of Young and the Restless over the years. Like, we're not watching Days of Our Lives, Reed. It's Young and the Restless. This is a good soap opera. Jeez. I guess that's an Easter egg for those who uh, are in the know. It is. I mean, I don't know the show well enough to know if those were actual actors that he had played with along the way, but still uh, cute, cute, very cute. So we start the show with the quote, opening quote, and Reed gives it to us. The quote is, what was silent in the father speaks in the son and often is found in the son, the unveiled secret of the father. Friedrich Nietzsche is how he says the name. Did we not have this conversation before? I feel like deja vu. Did, did I ask before, isn't it pronounced Nietzsche? Did we did we have that conversation? Look, there are a lot of pronunciations on this show over the years that you're going to 
just have to just go with whatever they say, uh, especially when it comes to Rossi and Italian words. <laughs> but uh, look, we're, we're just going to go with it. Very strange pronunciations. But Nietzsche is, is how I heard it over the years. But you know, am I a German? No. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Maybe we've all been saying it American. Like, anyway... <laughs> Let's it's go bit, beyond good and evil, and let's yes, get right back into the, into the show. Ooh, very good. Uh, anyway, it's a bit later, and the files are all laid out on the bed, and, and Morgan and Rossi, they really want to know. They're concerned. They want to know if Reed really is into pursuing this. You know, this could, after all, just be some Freudian type of thing, as, as Morgan says, impressing us all with his psychological knowings. And uh, he says, look, you know, maybe your dad leaving your mom in a sense murdered your childhood. And now you're dreaming that your dad is a murderer. Reed says, look, his mind is sending him signals. He can't ignore them anymore. He started down this road and he's not going to turn back. We cut over to the BAU office and uh, JJ is there giving a tour to Agent Todd. Remember Agent Todd? She's the one that's going to be replacing uh, JJ while she's out for her maternity leave. She will be trying her best to fill JJ's giant shoes. And there's some cracks going on between Prentice and JJ and Agent Todd here. And of course, Hotch walks in and kind of adds his male energy and <laughs> they kind of just... <laughs> Laugh him off, but uh, Hotch does talk to Todd a little bit, and Agent Todd asks him where the rest of the crew is, and he's, Hotch says, oh, another case came up, and they stayed behind Vegas, and as Hotch is leaving, Prentice and, and JJ are looking at each other like, ooh, and, uh, <laughs> and Todd is like, I thought you guys worked your cases together, and JJ says, this one is different. It is different. Different because we are tricking Reed into letting us work with him on his personal time. Huh? What? Huh? <laughs> yeah. So we cut back to Reed's room and the guys are looking over the Jenkins files. They're going over the details of the case. Riley Jenkins was six years old. His dad was delayed in picking him up from a, a t-ball game. So he decided to walk the three blocks home. His mom got home from work later on that evening, found him in the basement, and the offender must have gotten into the house or else picked up Riley on the way there, coaxed him into the basement, and sexually assaulted him. Riley's mouth was taped, which was an indication the unsub was afraid he'd talk, and then the unsub decided to make sure that he would never talk, stabbed him multiple times in the chest, left him behind with his, his body at by the washing machine. So they figure if their unsub was part of the profile, he would be a white male in his 20s to 30s at the time. So now they're looking for someone who's probably in their 50s. Someone who likely knew the boy might have been a neighbor. And Reed says, well, we lived less than half a mile away. Reed cannot remember if his dad knew the boy. And it's interesting to me all the things that Reed cannot remember in this episode, being someone yes, who remembers everything. We will cut him some slack that this is something of traumatic nature that even someone with an eidetic memory would probably suppress. So I, I will grant for this repressed memory uh, of trauma to, to yes, yes, we will allow. 
Rossi and Morgan ask Reed if he's sure he wants to do this. They're going to have to track down his dad. And also the signature the prof- of this, the profile of this case would indicate someone that's a pedophile. And Rossi says, I'll ask you again. Are you sure you want to go down this road? Which I, I, I appreciate Rossi being a little bit sensitive. Like, you know, we're tracking a pedophile. Do you want to know that your dad's a pedophile? Is basically what right. he's asking here. Uh, and at the same time, once you ask that question, doesn't he kind of have to go down that road at that point? Yeah. Uh, like, yeah. Nah, Agreed. you know what? I didn't think about it. Never <laughs> mind. I'll just live with right. the uncertainty that my father might be a pedophile. Like, what? Yeah. True. So the next... bell's been wrong. The bell's yeah. already been wrong. Yeah, it's been thrown out there. Now he needs the truth. Uh, We cut to Reed talking with his mom, the wonderful Jane Lynch, as Diana Reed. I'm assuming her last name is still Reed. It's funny because she's Diana, he's Spencer, and I always think of Princess Di when the two of them are together. He wants to ask her her questions about his dad. Uh, He lets her know he's having trouble remembering. He asks her how he was with kids. She says he liked them, and if it was up to him... Reed would have a you know a bunch of brothers and sisters running around the house, and she didn't want any more kids. Uh, she tells Reed, "Oh, why mess with perfection?" and kind of tussles his her his hair, smiles <laughs> at him. And, also, uh, also, and I didn't want to go off my meds again. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, we did learn just last week what a what a oof, endurance that was that for her to do it. The risk, like she's not going to risk that again. Right. Exactly. Uh, Reed asks her, well, how about with other kids? And she says, oh, yeah, he liked kids. He even coached the little league team. One might even say he loved kids, adored them, found them very, very appealing. <laughs> like everything from this point on is going to be laced with that. Could he be a pedophile? <laughs> exactly. When she says little league team, it sets off a flashback in Reed. And we, we see little Riley Jenkins hitting the baseball off the tee. And then we see Reed's dad saying, good hit, Riley. And then he turns around and tells a young Spencer that he's up next. And Reed asks her if she ever thought his dad thought that their marriage was just for show. And she's like, wait a minute, what is this all about? And Reed tells her, Riley Jenkins. And again, she says, oh, well, that's someone that's made up. And Reed tells her, no, he's real. And he was killed. And he thinks that his dad may have had something to do with it. He says Riley was on their little league team. Which doesn't make a whole lot of sense in terms of the age difference between the two. Yeah. No, Reed, look, he may have been advanced uh, for school, but he's not not advanced for athleticism. So I, I don't understand why the two of them would be on the same team. But okay, whatever. We'll go with it. Yeah. Well, I mean, she did explain a little bit. His father tried to get him to do things, so... Try to get him to do things, but if it's a four-year gap, there's, there's no way then, they're going to yeah. be on the same Little League team. It's just not yes. happening. True. Uh, we cut back to JJ. She's going over the job details with uh, Agent Todd. She's specifically going over how she chooses between cases. And we get a little scene of her giving her like a little, which would you pick <laughs> between these two cases? Because basically the point is you have to do a little profiling your own on that job and determining uh, which case to pick. And it, you want to pick a case where someone is is more likely to be in imminent danger than the, than the next case. You want to try to save somebody, basically. I mean, this is very common sense. 
<laughs> quite frankly. Um, but okay, it, 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 it's not really necessary, but if we're going to fill in this episode with a little bit of, hey, JJ has to hand things over, fine. Yes, and uh, during this scene, JJ feels a little pain or a kick in her stomach. Agent Todd notices, asks if she's okay, and, and JJ says she's fine. We cut back to Reed and Morgan talking to a rather irate Mr. Jenkins. Uh, he says, you guys are out of your minds if you think that Will Reed killed Riley. And Reed is like, so you guys were friends? And Jenkins is all, who, are the, who the hell are you? Come here, ask me this. And Reed says, I'm his son. So Jenkins looks at him again and is like, Spencer? And Reed nods and Jenkins is all, Spencer, G-Man, who would have thunk? <laughs> says why are you doing this man why are you doing this and reed says look he needs to find out what happens happened and jenkins says take it from him his dad is a good man and uh morgan starts to leave but reed has one more question he says well where is his dad nowadays and jenkins thinks he probably still works at the same firm over in summerlin so morgan and reed leave and reed is saying, yeah, he knows where Summerlin lives, and he seems disappointed because apparently his dad was 10 minutes away this whole time and never let Reed know about it. That's more question than anything else that we discover, quite frankly, at this point. I mean, you're talking to the kids, the dead kid's dad, who's like, I want to find who did it, but it wasn't, it wasn't him. Come on, man. Like, you kind of, not that it couldn't be Spencer's dad at this point, but this guy certainly doesn't think that it is. So leave the man alone. <laughs> if this was anybody else, you would not have come up. Yeah, let's go to the victim's father, who's already been cleared of the crime, and say, "Tell us who did." <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's rough. Uh, we cut over to the law offices of Weeder, Kirschenbaum, and Moore, attorneys at law, and. Uh, Reed, Morgan, and Rossi walk up to the receptionist. She asks them what they're there for, and and Reed is, seems so upset. He can't even speak at this point. So Rossi uh, takes over, asks for William Reed. Uh, no, they don't have an appointment, but then they flash their badges and ask if they can speak to him. Then the receptionist asks them to wait for a moment. He's in a meeting, and Reed is breathing kind of heavy, looks a bit scared, little bit of a sweat flop if you want to say and uh morgan asks him if he's okay and, and reed says you know what no i'm go I, I gotta go to the bathroom so he turns around and heads over to the bathroom morgan tells rossi he's never seen reed like this before and rossi says well you know 17 years is a long time between visits and morgan said well reed is still angry about it and rossi says yeah he's starting to see that I mean, at least he didn't go, no, Reed never goes to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> That's strange. <laughs> so now William Reed comes out, Spencer's dad, and he greets them. At first, he's thinking there for, that they're there for some other case. But Rossi says, no, this is uh, more of a personal nature. Actually, it concerns your son. At first, William is like, my son, did something happen? We hear all of a sudden Reed's voice saying, well, that's what we're here to find out. 
So Reed has walked back in and he says, hello, dad. Hello, father. <laughs> and that, that is the appropriate reaction, by the way, from the father. It's like, we're here to talk about yeah. your son. What's wrong? Is he dead? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So kudos to him for that reaction. Of course, this father, also the father on pen 15. <laughs> Interesting. I have not watched that. I will have to. Uh... Delightful. First season is Emei's balls. All righty. And yes, I said balls. And <laughs> We're talking about that show. Thank you very much. Gotcha. Uh, In William's office, uh, William makes a crack about how Reed doesn't really look like him anymore. But Reed isn't in a laughing mood. He's like, yeah, some people look like their dogs, too. (laughs) It's due to prolonged exposure. You tend to take on the mannerisms of people you're around. But I haven't seen you for 20 years. Reed is clearly playing the bitter son role here. Yeah, I mean, you might as well say I look just like Morgan, too, because I spent more time with him than you. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Slow your role play. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, when he asks them why they're in town, they they explained they were wrapping up a case. It was about a five-year-old that was murdered. And I found it interesting. Reed's father knew the case and knew the name Ethan Hayes. I thought that was like a little... Thing to make you question oh he knows like he pays attention to this kind of stuff does that exactly. have some kind of meaning it's almost as if you're saying that some of this episode is good writing <laughs> <laughs> yes. so reed says well it got him thinking about riley jenkins you remember riley jenkins and william is like of course i remember riley jenkins and reed just comes out right and comes out with it and says look i've always dreamed about riley but now since i've been back here working on this case it's jarred up some things, and now I'm dreaming that you killed Riley. And uh, William doesn't seem shocked by this. He actually says, I've stopped being shocked by Spencer's mind years ago. And they tell William that he fits the part of the profile. They just want his co- cooperation. So, you know, can they just, like, you know, look at his computer and all his files and all of that stuff? And uh, he finally seems to catch on with what they're saying. And he gets, I would say, appropriately defensive if if, if that's what was happening to you. He, he lets them know that, well, you'll need to get a warrant before if you want to look at anything. It's clear he's not going to cooperate with them on this. And no, nor should he. <laughs> yes. And, you know, I'm sure some people, they could scare, but. He is a smart guy, and he's a lawyer. So. He's in a law office. Exactly. <laughs> or he works in a law office. So. Yeah. Come on, guys. <laughs> we then cut to Reed, and he's walking through the hallway uh, back at his hotel, and he's on the phone, and he's talking to Garcia, and he's saying, you know, we're not going to be able to get a warrant, so I'm going to need you to do a little Garcia magic, basically hack into my dad's computer. And Garcia's like, um, are you sure about this? And Reed is like, I wish people would really stop asking me that. As he's opening the door of his room, he notices a manila envelope on the floor. And it has a sticky note on it. And it says, you're looking at the wrong guy. So Reed opens up the envelope. And it's a Las Vegas police criminal record. We see a mugshot of a dude named Gary B. Michaels. And Reed has a flashback. And we see this same guy, except for he has glasses on now, and he's coming up to an outdoor chessboard 
and he's looking at us from a first person point of view. And uh, he says, hey, you're pretty good. And a very skeevy, like immediately we know, oh, skeeve, pervy. Indeed. Like, uh, Indeed. Although so, it, it, he, he also looks a lot like uh, Christopher Reeve as, as Clark Kent. Clark Kent. Because, <laughs> and, and that's how he got away with it. He just took his glasses off and no one could recognize him. <laughs> Completely different guy. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's not him. <laughs> oh, wait. Um, yeah, so now we cut over to the lobby of the hotel. Reed has uh, shown Rossi and Morgan the file. He explains how it was dropped directly off at his room, so they can't check with the hotel lobby. If somebody knew what room he was in. Morgan says, well, I guess the timing of this is a little bit suspicious. And Reed is like, yeah, an hour after we leave my father's office, we're handed conveniently another suspect. And Reed says, to be fair, he does think he remembers this guy. Uh, Michaels, he do, he's not, he doesn't know. He's not sure. And Morgan and Rossi think, well, this guy has a a record of exposing himself to a minor. I, I mean, obviously, we should be taking a closer look at this guy. Garcia, who is also with Prentice and Hotch, she she rings in and first and foremost to have some inappropriate conversation with Morgan, as usual, causing Hotch to kind of frown, as usual, at Prentice. And then Garcia gives her news. Reed's father seems super duper clean. No porn, no kitty porn, no pedophile, suspicious websites. There's no crazy emails, no chat room shenanigans, nothing like that. They did check his finances. Nothing appears too out of line or crazy, although Prentice does question his choice to buy some Celine Dion tickets. <laughs> hey! And I'm like, leave Celine, leave Celine alone. Uh, Hotch tells Reed he just doesn't seem to fit the profile. I mean, he appears to be a workaholic. He makes some decent money, but he doesn't really spend it. Has a modest home and car, doesn't really travel, stays away from the casinos. According to his vet bills, has a very sick cat. Aww. He likes to spend his time going to movies. He reads a lot of books. His favorite author appears to be, and here's where Reed cuts in and says, Isaac Asimov, I remember that. And Garcia is like, you know, he was really all particularly obsessed about one particular topic, has a ton of files on his computer on him. I mean, Reed is like, uh, what is that? And Garcia is like, you. He's got everything that's ever been published online, has every article you've ever been mentioned in. He's got the pieces you've written for scientific journals. He's got a copy of your dissert dissertation. And Rossi's like, oh, he's been keeping tabs on you. That that's means something. And Rita's like, yeah, it means he Googled me. <laughs> okay. He Googled him and he found uh, several articles. And uh, I did the freeze frame on the articles because I thought, hey, let me just take a look at them. First of all, these articles, oh, the writing, uh, like a, a, a fifth grader could have written these articles. They're just horrible, <laughs> horrible from like publications as, you know, the CTNP News, you know, the US Net News. Like, it's just <laughs> horrible, horrible, horrible. The first article is about him getting into college uh, at the age of 16, which I'm not really sure would be in the newspaper, but sure, maybe human interest story. And it actually says, he makes no mention of the weather or girls as the reason for attending Caltech. <laughs> God. 
Morph! <laughs> the second article is just a rave review from Jason Gideon on hiring him to join the BAU. Again, which would not have been an article in the newspaper at all, even if he is 20 years old when that happens. And the third article, which I just found very, very funny, was this really in-depth one-on-one interview with Reed about that case on the train with L. Really? <laughs> yes. Oh. What did you seem to go in there? Yes, the doctor was there. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, would that have been in the, Yeah. Interesting. No, and you know, it's all like a doctor Reed said. You know? <laughs> like, no one oh, yeah, cares. Yeah, Nobody yeah. cares. But those are the three articles that they showed. So it was kind of funny. Yeah, Reed is still very, very disgusted with his dad. This, this, this doesn't really make up for anything. He's going to go get some air. He walks outside. Morgan asked the team to look up Gary Brendan Michaels, and Prentice says. Uh, you like this guy for the Riley Jenkins murder? And Rossi's all, somebody does. <laughs> uh, I love Rossi. He's just, uh, yeah, he's always got the quip. Reed is sitting at a video poker machine. This this may have been my favorite scene. <laughs> yeah, and, 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 and as, as I, as I, as I uh, took my notes, I wrote, Reed play, mindlessly plays video poker next to a looker a looker <laughs> she looked like a professional to me aj if you no, want no, no. to she was a, i didn't want to make any assumptions so i, I didn't said either a looker a, a looker <laughs> that l will change to an age <laughs> by the end of the scene <laughs> yeah she's uh sitting next to him and she sidles over to him you don't get to use the word sidles a lot but i'm gonna use it here and uh, she says, this is her opening line. She says, wow, looks like you've got a loose one. <laughs> uh, and of course, Reed is not picking up on any cues here whatsoever. He says, well, there is no such thing. These machines run on random number generators. No brains, no bias. Best odds in the house. She says, well, oh, I, I thought that was craps. And Reed says, well, normally... But if you employ an optimal strategy and always drop once a royal flush comes up, the odds are 2% in your favor. And uh, normally I don't have any idea whether or not Reed is accurate on these things. But having worked in the casino, uh, he's actually right. Video poker, if you have a certain uh, odds on the flush and the straight, which are 9-6 or 9-5, or you know, there, there's, there's certain odds on those. If you get a high enough odds on the flush and the straight, it is the best bet in the house. There's usually like a couple of machines, and they put them in strategic locations. Uh, you have to find them. But yes, it is. And if you took that out, the uh, pass, don't pass line on craps would be the best odds in the casino. So this scene, accurate. Huzzah! I was going to ask you if if you didn't already anticipate the question. <laughs> there you go. So I, I have worked in the casino in Atlantic City. Uh, so, yes, yes, I, I'm aware of these things. And uh, the woman is all over him now, the looker, shall we say. <laughs> and uh, she's like, ooh, smart and handsome. Are you in town for the convention? And Rita's like, well, which one? There are currently 12 conventions in town. 
So I like that he uh, somehow knows, looked this information up and, and knows how many conventions are currently. In. And I like her reply. Does it really matter? Yes. <laughs> she uh, lights up a cigarette and Reed says, six minutes. She's like, what? And Reed says, well, that's what I used to say to my mom. I was trying to get her to quit smoking. You know, it's a fact that cigarettes take six minutes off your life. So I'd say to her to remind her, look, that's six minutes less time that you'd have to spend with me. And the woman is like, ah, that's sweet. Ah, and it is, I guess, a little sweet story. I actually thought she was being genuine here because, you know, it's not like you're not going to do sexy, sexy pickup by saying, oh, you like your mother? Like, it's not not a line that you're going to go down. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, she asked, did it work? And Reed says, no. And uh, she says, look, she's tried everything. She's trying to quit, but she's she's tried everything, the gum, the patches, et cetera. And Reed asks if she's tried hypnosis. And as he's saying that, a thought occurs to him, something ding, ding, dings. Uh, the woman is like, you know, I'll put it, I'll put this out if you buy me a drink. And that's the, not the only thing she'd put out if he uh, <laughs> buys <her something>. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, Morgan intervenes at this point and says, not today, sweetheart. He and Rossi have arrived and they grab Reed. They start to walk away. And the woman looks at his machine and says, hey, you've won like $2,000 here. And Reed tells her to keep it. And Rossi is like, uh, you know, you just gave two grand to a hooker, right? And Morgan says, yeah, that must have been quite a conversation. What was it about? And Reed says, how to stop smoking. (laughs) Yeah, it was a cute scene. Uh, The only uh, quibble I would have with it is uh, the fact that they had to have $2,000 sitting on the machine as if Reed is some sort of mathematical casino genius and has won $2,000 playing when he clearly just said it is completely random. And he's got a 2% edge. Uh, they make it seem like, oh, well, $2,000 on the machine. Yeah, that's of course, because if you just play this video poker, you're going to get $2,000. Like, no. <laughs> it is... If it was me, maybe it'd be $30 in the machine. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> Depending just, on how it, long, I, if I've been there all day. <laughs> sure. It just, it just the, the implication here is that Reed is doing, you know, his mathematical right. super genius memory or something there. And, and it's like, no. I, that is it, not what's happening. It's not what's happening. It shouldn't have been two thousand on the machine. Quite frankly, that's a little silly. And he would. And it's not like he. I know he's distracted and everything, but two thousand. He, if it was two hundred dollars, <laughs> you know, five hundred dollars, something that's a little pricey, but not like you know, two thousand. He. Oh, oh, yeah. Thank you. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> <laughs> so now we're gonna cut to a hypnotherapist's office. And all of us old fogies, I'm sure, recognize the hypnotherapist as D. Wallace, also known as D. Wallace Stone at some point. But I, mm-hmm. maybe she's back to D. Wallace now. I don't know. Uh, the mom from E.T., AJ. Yes, and uh, I believe The Howling was the horror series that she was in. And was she in Cujo? Yeah, 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 yeah. She did, did the whole uh, horror route there for a while. Anyway, she hears uh, what they want from her. And she does have a warning that it's possible that memories from that age can be influenced by a bias because he's already started looking into this case. And now maybe maybe the memories he comes up with might not be true memories, basically. 
in any case, this isn't going to stand up in, in a court. And Reed says, well, I'm not here for evidentiary purposes. It's really just for me. The uh, suppressed memories are about his father. And she's looking, oh, oh. And Rossi says he wants to sit in on the session. And she's like, well, normally I don't allow that. And Rossi says, well, there's nothing about this situation that's normal. You know what would have been really good uh, to convince her to help them out on this? Giving her $2,000. Good point. I'm just saying. (laughs) I mean, sure, it's in quarters, but. (laughs) Uh, And yes, I know you would have gotten a voucher. They wouldn't give you $2,000 a quarter. I'm aware. (laughs) So she's going to let Rossi in and we cut to the session. And the she puts uh, Reed. Reed is already under under the the uh, what do you say under the she's already he's already under hypnosis. I, she put a spell on him. Crash <laughs> <And> <laughs> mine. She yes, tells hypnosis. Reed. Yes, she tells Reed to remember to squeeze her hand if he's feeling any fear, and he's holding on to her, and she's. Brings him back to the night that they talked about, the night his parents were arguing and he couldn't sleep. And we see Reed remembering his father come into his bedroom. Young Reed is in in bed. He's facing away from the door where his father has just come in. And his father says, I know you're, you're awake, Spencer. You know daddy loves you, right? And the therapist asks Reed what happens next. And Reed... Is like going through it in his mind. He's just like, I, I don't want to be there. I don't want to be here. And uh, so they say, okay, okay, we'll bring you to the next day. I mean, talk about just doing it for the sake of us continuing to believe that perhaps some moleste has been going on. Just like, ugh, really? Uh, she brings him to the next day, and he sees his mom staring out the, the back window, and she's crying, and she's thinking, and and she walks away. But young Reed, he goes over to the window and there we see this bright light seeping into the home. And young Spencer looks out of the window. Current Spencer starts freaking out. He is squeezing the hell out of Dee Wallace's wrist. And Rossi yells at her to wake him up. She starts counting backwards from five. And meanwhile, we're seeing what Spencer sees. Uh, his dad is at a, a fire pit in the backyard and he's burning bloody clothes and that was that <laughs> yeah, and Reed he wakes up he wakes up he's a little scared i mean i get that rossi's there to observe but like Reed practically breaks this woman's hand and like rossi has to go for wake him up wake him up like dude She's the one whose hand is about to be broken. Trust me. She's waking him up. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> she, she got this. Uh, yeah, You're yeah. not the one who should be concerned from on the couch over there. Exactly. So next we cut to Spencer, who's gone back to see his mom. And he's pleading with her to remember what happened. Quite a nice bit of acting here from Jane Lynch. As Reed is confronting her with everything. The bloody clothes. She saw it. It was real. He remembers. And she's still sort of in denial. She's like, your mind always was a treasure. You knew things you weren't supposed to know. 
And Reed says, it's not about me. It's about Riley Jenkins. And she says, no, no, it was always about you. And Reed asks her again about Riley. And did dad have anything to do with Riley? And she says, no, like, of course not. And uh, Reed is like, think. And she keeps saying, no, no, nothing. And Reed says, you knew, you knew about dad and you didn't do anything. Jane Lynch starts freaking out. She's saying, no, no, no. Gets up. She starts hitting herself in the face. And the facility workers have to come in and give her a shot to calm her down. And Reed hears her say something. He sits down next to her, asks her what she said. She says, it could have been you. It could have been you. Could have been you. The pedos are around. <laughs> the body we found. It could have been you. So we could do. Uh We could see Morgan and Reed. They're outside, and uh, Morgan is telling Reed he can't trust what his mom said. She's just not stable. Reed says, "Look, he doesn't need to tell Morgan." Morgan should know this is textbook. A father reroutes compulsion to molest his own son to a surrogate. And Morgan thinks Reed has basically lost his objectivity in this situation. And Reed says he's not trying to say that he knows what happened or how his dad is involved, but he knows his dad is involved. (laughs) Uh, They are outside of the police station and coming out of the door as they're walking up is Mr. Jenkins who has a file in his hand and he looks at them and he walks away and they wonder what what the heck was he doing here? We cut to inside the police station and detective Xander is telling Reed that Reed has no evidence. And all they want the detective to do is just bring Reed's dad in. They can hold him for 48 hours without evidence. Reed says the detective is like, I'm not going to ruin someone's reputation on a whim. And Reed insists on talking to his captain. And the detective is like, you can talk to whoever you want. Guess what? This is a local case. You basically have no authority here. It stops at the state line. So why don't you just go back to the Fountain View, have a few drinks, and think about this. The man is your father. And Reed is like, well, what's your point? (laughs) The detective (laughs) says, look, maybe you're here to work out some other issues, you know? Which is a very fair point. And Morgan uh, interrupts because he's going to smooth talk the detective into helping them out. Let's him know how much they'd really appreciate his help. And like most people, the detective cannot resist Morgan's charms. Uh, he says, you know what? You guys have 24 hours. So uh, he leaves and, and Morgan tells Reed that uh, he's got to keep his act together. Because, you know, the locals, they need to feel like they're in control of the situation. Yeah, man, like just pretend that they have any say in this and that we're not in charge. Come on, man. You've been through this. This is not your first rodeo. (laughs) Yes. Garcia calls them at that point. Reed is starting to stalk away from Morgan. Garcia tells Morgan that Gary Michaels has basically disappeared from the grid. Nothing on him since about a year after Riley Jenkins died. Maybe he's using another name at this point. He was had the indecent exposure charge, but he was also arrested for trespassing at a nursery school. So clearly this guy is trouble with a capital T. They have some DNA from the 1985 indecent exposure case. So 
she's going to run it through the system, VICAP, CODIS, all that stuff. She's going to check against uh, other cases in the last 20 years. She hangs up from Morgan, and we stay at the BAU office because Garcia has noticed that JJ is wincing. And again, JJ says she's fine, but uh, Todd says she noticed the same thing earlier. And JJ is forced to admit, yeah, she's been feeling those pains for about every 10 minutes in the last hour. And Garcia's all, girl, you in labor. And uh, (laughs) she starts the ball rolling, even as JJ is like, no, she's not due for three weeks. Right now they have to worry about helping Reed. And Garcia is bringing her out of the office. She's already leading her away. Uh, She lets Hotch and Prentice know, hey, she's in labor. So immediately they jump up and and everybody's with her and they're going to take her out to the car. Hotch is going to go get the car. JJ's like, "Uh, I have to call Will. And Garcia is like, from the car, honey, you know, breathe and walk, breathe and walk. And as they leave, Prentice says, Agent Todd, hope you're ready. Your job starts right now. (laughs) <laughs> she sounded like a game show host to me when she said that. <laughs> Your time starts now. I just love the the hilariousness of as soon as she says that, every single phone in the BAU office yeah. starts ringing. Yeah, all of a sudden there's a hundred extras walking through that weren't there before. <laughs> I'm like, uh, oh my gosh, I can't do this job. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. That's we, kind of funny. Yeah, it was. We now go to the interrogation room. It's outside the room, out by the window, and we see that Reed's dad is sitting there waiting. And outside of the room, Morgan asks Reed if he still thinks his father did it. Reed says he does. Morgan says, yeah, but Gary Michaels is a far better suspect. He he fits the profile. He disappeared after the murder. And Reed is like, he's a convenient suspect. Someone slipped the file under my door. What am I supposed to think? And Rossi says, well, maybe it's they were just trying to help you. And Reed says, well, maybe they were trying to protect him. And Rossi says, you're talking about someone trying to cover up the murder of a child. Who, who would even do that? And Reed says, well, you remember how resistant Detective Hyde was when he asked to, to bring in my dad, when we asked him to bring in my dad? And Morgan says, oh, you're accusing a cop now? And Reese, Reed says, look. The file was a police file. And Morgan says, yeah, but it was an old file. Anybody could have accessed it. And Reed says, yeah, but he told me to go back to the Fountain View, have a drink by the pool and think about things. And Morgan says, you can't still be mad at that. Reed says, no, I'm just confused. I never told him we were staying at the Fountain View. Ah, a little heavy-handed. You know, when he said it, I was like, oh, well, how did he know that was the hotel he was staying at? And then they waited as if this was some big reveal. And this is such a nothing burger. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, they could have just said said it immediately. Like, how did he know where I was staying? Like, you know, why should we right. trust him? Kind of, yeah. I don't know. Just, it seemed like a ha-ha when it really is just like, eh. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so Reed goes into the room with his father. Meanwhile, we cut back to the BAU office briefly. Agent Todd is still working. She hears one of Garcia's computers beeping. She goes in and looks at a monitor, and apparently Codis has found a DNA match. I mean, thank goodness she knows enough about the job to know what that means. <laughs> she can do this job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
back at the interrogation room, Rita's in there with his father. I find it very interesting that they would allow him to be the one to question him. But, well, okay. there's only the three of them. Yeah. <laughs> this isn't a real investigation. Uh, but you're right. You're right. He's, he's way too close to this case. He shouldn't be in the room. You're right. Yeah. He's asking his father about the bloody clothes. His father says he's not going to talk without counsel. Reed starts to say, well, if you're innocent, you have nothing to hide. And William is like, Spencer, please. <laughs> Spencer, please. <laughs> I am not stupid. Uh, but I am proud of you. You know that? I'm really proud of you. Uh, Reed says, well, you know what? I'm not stupid either. William, please. <laughs> and William is like, no, no, no. I, you've done a lot of good. Someone with your abilities could make a fortune in the private sector. And he is not wrong. But you chose instead to help people. And Reed says, I chose to study murderers. I wonder why that is. Very sarcastically. And William says, look, I didn't do this. Why did don't you believe me? And Spencer basically says he knows when someone is hiding something from him. And William says, you're angry that I left and you are right to be. And Reed says, make it up to me. Tell me what happened. And William says, I didn't kill that boy, but I know who did. <gasps> and Reed says, Gary Michaels? And William is a little surprised and says, how did you know that? And Reed says, where is Gary Michaels now, Dad? And William says, you don't really want to go down this road. And we cut to Hutch on the phone. He's in the hospital. They're wheeling JJ along in a in a wheelchair, and he's telling them, oh, she's fine. By the way, we got a match on that DNA. We cut over to Rossi and Morgan, who are now telling Reed that they have found Gary Michaels, or should they say parts of him. Oh, no. Turns out AJ Gary Michaels has been dead. He was dug up seven years ago when some new construction work was being done. He was buried across state lines, so... The connection was never made with the Vegas police. Apparently, he was beaten to death with a pipe or a bat. A bat? You mean like a baseball bat? Oh, no. And Morgan says maybe the blood on the clothes actually wasn't Riley Jenkins. So we cut to them now at the police station. I'm assuming this is in California since they said across state lines. Yeah, this is wherever and, they found the body. It's yeah. clearly somewhere somewhere else. Yeah, and uh, they're talking to a cop there. He's kind of wondering what the big deal is over some dead pervert. And they tell him they think that maybe he killed a boy in Vegas 20 years ago. And the cop says, oh, so that's why he's buried revenge. And Rossi's like, possibly. And then he says, hey, you know what? It seems like you guys have found a, a fingerprint in evidence that was uh, lifted from the victim's glasses. And the cop agree- yeah, says yes, but um, they never had a match for that fingerprint. And Reed says, well, we now have someone that we can compare it to. The cop is like, well, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I don't even know why you guys are wasting taxpayer dollars on this. This is like a public service. Uh, this guy got what he deserved. He leaves the room and Rossi's like, you know, he's right. We don't really have to run this fingerprint. Everybody's just trying to protect Reed here. And Reed is like... They, they are. It's like, eh, we could run the fingerprint and then when we find out it's your dad, what, eh, you really, 
Reed, do you really want us to do? <laughs> yes. Uh, and Reed is like, no, of course we need to run this fingerprint. Michael's deserved a fair trial. And uh, Morgan tells Reed, we already know that your father didn't kill Jenkins. So you, you basically got what you need. And Reed says, I need the truth. <laughs> and Reed says, uh, yeah, yeah uh, Morgan says, if this print belongs to your dad, he's going to go away for a long time. I think you just want to nail him, don't you? You don't even care what for. And Reed's kind of stubborn at this moment. He's like, if you're not going to run the print, I will. We cut over to the mental facility and the doctor is talking to Reed's mom because she has been refusing to take her medication. She tells him, uh, it's not going to be for long. I just need to have a little bit of time. And the doctor is like, you know what, I'll, I'll give you that leeway, but I need to know why. And she says, well, before, you know, the tremors and the panic and the hearing voices, she's going to have a moment of clarity and she needs to remember something. Fair, fair. And it's, it's just interesting that, uh, you know, she's aware enough to know that even through all the, the craziness. So, you know, she, her medicine is working. And she's got that little window where she can remember everything, and then she goes back into the kooky land, for lack of right. a better term. You know, so, but she knows herself very well. She's a very smart woman. Exactly. We cut to the hotel. Morgan, Rossi, and Reed are there waiting. Morgan gets the call. He listens. He's like, are you sure about that? He confirms whatever information he gets. He hangs up the phone. He lets them know they did get a match on the fingerprints, and they're going to need an arrest warrant. And Reed's like, ah? Uh? And he says, yeah, but not for your father. Dun, dun, dun. They pull up at a construction site where we see Mr. Jenkins is working. Another car pulls up at the same time that they do, and it's Detective Hyde, as we learn his name is here. Yeah, uh, it's Xander Berkeley. <laughs> yeah. Detective Xander. He wants to be the one to bring Jenkins in. He says it'll go easier, and he goes, he's my friend. And Reed is like, yeah, we figured as much. Lou, you, my father. And Rossi says, you were the one who slipped us the Michaels file, right? And Detective Hyde says, look, you guys were after the wrong guy. And Reed says, but you knew who the right guy was. And you knew what Lou did to him. And the detective says, oh, look, there was no evidence. And they're like, yeah, but you didn't really try. <laughs> did, 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 did. <laughs> but again, you really need to do like, quite frankly, uh, okay, they're going to arrest him now. And is there going to be a jury that's going to convict him? Really? Is there going to be? He killed my kid and they found out, so I killed him. Like, all right. Uh, yeah. Uh, 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 you know, time he's, served. He's probably going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah, you know. All right, I mean, years. not okay. It's probably not the right way yeah, to phrase it. But. Five years, minimum security, you know. What, they'll take care of him. Uh, the system, I think the system will understand on this one. Uh, or perhaps not. Perhaps we'll be sentenced to the death penalty. And <laughs> uh, uh, who the heck knows in this, in this justice system? <laughs> I'm just happy now that we know that, that basically what happened. We're going to find out the details of the next scene here. I'm just happy that they didn't have Reed imagining his father in like a uh, green and red striped shirt. <laughs> no. Oh, we found him in the boiler room. And then... uh. <laughs> Time for baseball practice, Spencer. <laughs> One, two. 
watching you. Could have so been, we go, been, could very easily have been, you know, and that's mm-hmm. why I moved away from Elm Street. <laughs> <laughs> so we cut over to the interrogation room. Jenkins has confessed to killing Michaels. Says he was alone, though. Nobody helped him. William Reed was definitely not a part of it. And Reed says, hey, you guys, you're, you're lying. And Jenkins says, no, he's not. Reed says, look, he was burning bloody clothes. I saw him. And Morgan is trying to run the interview without Reed interrupting. He's like, what makes you think Michaels killed your boy? And Jenkins said he admitted it. Morgan is like, yeah, you're beating a guy up with a baseball bat. He'll admit to a lot of things. Uh, Fair. How do you know that he was the right guy? And Jenkins says, I know. He approached another kid in the neighborhood. And this is when Reed starts flashing back on Michaels saying, hey, you're pretty good. Morgan asks Jenkins, how did he know of that? And Jenkins says he was told by a concerned party. Again, we go to Reed's flashback. It's Michael saying, mind if I play? And he sits down to play chess and we see it. It's indeed with young Spencer. But I mean, we kind of knew that all along. Yeah, I mean, how would we be having this vision if it wasn't him? Yes. And Morgan asked Jenkins who it was again. And Jenkins is like, I'm not going to say any more on the subject. Spencer is yelling at him now, demanding to know who it was. And Detective Hyde opens the door, says, Agent Reed. And Reed turns around and yells at him not to interfere with this investigation. It's not his case anymore. But then we see who's with Detective Xander, and it's his mother. And she says, it was her. Uh, And his father is there too, by the way. So we cut over to Diana Reed for the big explanation scene. (laughs) She says uh, she saw Michaels at the base. She see him always around the baseball field and at the park. Uh, And he played, even played chess with Reed once. And Reed is like, um, did he do anything to me? And she says, no, 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 no. It never got to that point. But she saw the way he was looking at Reed, and she knew him for what he was. And Reed, in a callback moment, says, a mother knows. Diana says she told Riley's dad. And then two nights later, Lou uh, Jenkins called over to the house. He was agitated. He asked her to meet him. They drive over, and we're seeing this all in flashback. And they're looking, they're sort of, spying on this guy and is it him and and diana says yes it's, it's gary michaels he has a history is what uh lou says and she's like what and she he says he's done things to kids she asks him how he knows he tells her she should go he's like what are you gonna do and he just tells her to go home and so she just sits there she she says she couldn't move it was like a dream She couldn't really remember what happened after that. They tell her to go on. And at some point she got up. She found herself walking towards the house. And she goes in and you see Michael's beaten bloody. Uh, And she starts saying, oh, my God, Lou, what what did you do? What did you do? And she couldn't really remember the rest. It was all sort of blank after that. And that's when Reed's father chimes in. He says, you came home. He says she couldn't talk at first, but I eventually came to understand what happened. I knew that nobody could ever know. I had to do everything I could do to protect her. She could have been implicated. 
And that's when they go, oh, you were burning her bloody clothes. Oh, uh, the whole episode makes sense now. <laughs> yeah. Basically, this is why he wound up leaving the family. He, he was trying to keep everything together for a little while, but he couldn't. And the weight of the knowledge of what happened, it was just too much. And Rita's like, yeah, but you, you could have come back. We could have started over. And he says, I, I just didn't know how to take care of you anymore. And I lost confidence and there was no going back. He's sorry. What's done is done. At least now he knows the truth. Reed says, wow, I was wrong about everything. I'm really, I'm sorry. And his dad says, I'm sorry too, Spencer. Oh, that's a happy ending. Except for Riley Jenkins' father who's going to prison. Yes. <laughs> Thanks, Reed. Thanks a lot. But at no, least it's a, it's a for nice the Reeds. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's a nice resolution. It's, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's weird. It's a weird thing that they do on this show. I wish they were more consistent. It's a minor nitpick, but like, you know, when Reed is having his flashbacks, it's point of view for the most part. And, you know, he sees Michael's looking at him. And so I, I'm fine with that. And then, you know, there's, the, oh, let's cut to the reveal that it was Spencer, which requires them to no longer be in his perspective and show it. So like, just pick, pick one method of doing it, you know, like. Are we all going to have flashbacks the same way? At least in the same episode. Right. Have, have, have it all be from her point of view. And, you know, and, but no, we, we see it, you know, third person. It's like, right. I, let's just be consistent. That's all. Just now, do yeah. it one way. That's on you, Guy Norman B. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so next we cut to see the BAU jet flying home. We get the closing quote. Again, it's read, there is no refuge from memory and remorse in this world. The spirits of our foolish deeds haunt us with or without repentance. Gilbert Parker. Uh, now we cut over to the hospital room and there's an adorable little baby boy. And uh, yeah, everybody's happy. He looks just like, uh, says he looks just like LaMontagne who is there. And... <laughs> And he says, oh, let's hope he grows out of that. And uh, they, they say, uh, just hope he doesn't inherit your accent. So there's jokes to be had, merriment. Jokes, lots of jokes. Everybody, it's a happy uh -oh. occasion. Ended with, ended with jokes. And uh, Spencer knocks on the door, comes in. Oh, is there room for one more? And uh, JJ's like, hi, Spence, welcome back. I like that she calls him Spence. Mm -hmm. she, she's done that before. And they've had, especially since since his kidnapping, they've had a, a closeness that has they've stayed consistent with. So I'm glad to see see that. This is true. Yes. Yeah. Congratulations. She says congratulations for the baby. And she asks JJ asks, how's it that she just went through 15 hours of labor and he still looks worse than her? And he's like, "Don't be ridiculous. You look beautiful." Which is actually what she just said. <laughs> Yes, you still kind look of. like you still look like crap, buddy. That's my point. Yeah, <laughs> Wasn't I how mean, I looked. <laughs> just a, a weirdly weirdly written line. That's all. <laughs> and uh, La Montaigne uh, says, "Oh well, I can use some coffee. Anybody else?" And so basically, he gathers everybody to walk out of the room, and so that Spencer and JJ can have a moment together. And uh, she asks him if he's okay, and he says, "Yeah." And she, he says, you, she, yeah, she's fine. 
she says, well, there's something I wanted to ask you, but, you know, it can wait if it needs to. He says, well, what, no, what is it? And she says, Will and I were talking and um, we want you to be Henry's godfather. Do, 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 do. Henry, not Tracy, but Henry. Henry. You were wrong. You were wrong. I was wrong. You knew you were going to be wrong, though, so it's okay. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> if I got that, that would have been quite the guess because... I, I don't think there's any Henry that we have a connection to 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 have that. I'm just very glad that they didn't name the kid Jones. <laughs> uh, oh, God. Remember when uh, we first met working on that case, Jones? <laughs> you no, know, Joe. Yeah, that would have been funny. Jones um, <laughs> she lets Reed hold him. And Reed is actually pretty good with him. It's not as awkward as I suspected it might have been. She says, JJ says, if anything happens to us, it's up to you and Garcia. Make sure this boy gets into Yale. <laughs> I thought that was funny. It was him and Garcia. Oh, of course. Of course. That's, I ain't got JJ. nobody. I don't know nobody. I got yeah. no family. I got no friends. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Rita's like, Yale? Do you really want to go to Yale, Henry? Uh, that was your godfather's safety school. <laughs> and don't worry, I can get you into Caltech with one phone call. But don't mention the weather or girls. <laughs> <laughs> and that's pretty much our uh, episode, JJ. JJ, I'm, I, I, I've done that before. JJ played much... by AJ, which is me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been a nice, nice happy ending to, to the, the whole shebang. It's such a depressing overarching two weeks here that it's nice that we had a little good news at the end yeah let's do what we always do and sort of go over if we thought the team won the episode we call it our bow barometer what do you yes. think yes alright I gotta call this week a push mm. I mean there was no case to begin with if Reed hadn't poked his nose in where it didn't belong and did we really come out with justice being served, probably not. But, I mean, he wasn't wrong in the end. I mean, his family's okay, and I'm pretty sure that Riley's dad's not going to get too too uh, hurt by this. You know, the cops all around that area seem to be on his side, so he'd probably be okay in the end. So it's not a loss, because they did catch the person who did a crime, but... Did we need it? No. So, not a win. Draw. All right. Well, draws do happen sometimes. And now let's do our teasing it out segment. Are we going to do that this week? I think we are, since it's not a three-part episode. Oh, I hope not. (laughs) (laughs) I've been having dreams about Henry. (laughs) (laughs) What do you got for me, sir? All right. As always, my favorite part of each episode here is when we preview next week's episode of Criminal Minds. So I ask you just one question, a simple multiple choice here. What is going to be the plot of next week's Criminal Minds? Which, as you know, season four, episode eight, entitled Masterpiece. Masterpiece. What are we going to see next week, Todd? Is it A... A man turns himself into the BAU, claiming to have committed a series of beautiful murders. 
Is it B? A series of murders leads the BAU to a local art dealer who sells paintings made with blood. Is it C? Subliminal messages on a rock star's latest solo project have a homicidal effect on his fans? Or is it D? The Perfect Murder is the name of a new novel from a best-selling author and is being enacted in real life, even though the book has not yet been released. AJ, these are all good. I want to see each one of these episodes. And uh, maybe I'll see a couple of them. Who knows? I am going to go for no particular reason yet again. I'm going to go with choice B, the bloody artwork. That's what I'm going to go with. Bloody artwork. Yeah, bloody artwork. Uh, fine guess. Fine guess indeed. Uh, but no. Ah. No. is not what Masterpiece is about. No, Masterpiece is quite a masterpiece, as we are going to see a man turning himself into the BAU, claiming to have committed a series of beautiful murders, and Kinsad, this man is none other than George Costanza himself, Jason Alexander. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, I don't know how I feel about that. Uh, well, he's, well, he's a good actor. He uh, did a lot of Broadway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bad guy and pretty woman. Yeah. <laughs> yes. uh, all right. Well, I, I can't wait for that. But that is the show for this week, folks. Thank you so much for joining us. Hope you had a great time. Please be sure to subscribe to rate and review our podcast on your favorite podcast platform and be sure to spread the word and let your friends know about us. You can also write to us at feloniouspundits at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at podcast underscore pundits. For AJ Mass, this is Kintad Svensgaard saying goodbye and keep profiling. Wheels up. If you shut up truth and bury it under the ground, it will but grow and gather to itself such explosive power that the day it bursts through it will blow up everything in its way. Emil Zola. <laughs>